Well, good morning. As I um, mentioned in the, in the welcome this morning, this is easily, in my opinion, the hardest parable in all of Scripture. Um, it's not even close, frankly. Um, at least that's, you know, as I understand it, if you have some wisdom, you can talk to me later. Um, but the simple fact of the matter is, if you had asked me on Wednesday or Thursday what, what I thought was going on here, I probably would have given you a different answer than I'm giving you today, and it perhaps might even change next week. But Jesus' point does not change. The point doesn't change. How we get there might change a little bit, and so we're not going to focus on that as much, but, but the point that he's making does not change. It doesn't change. And, and so that's where we're going to mostly focus our attention. But, but quickly, what, what is going on here? Well, there's um, this master, apparently of great wealth. He has enough money to hire somebody else to manage it for him. Um, so this master has a manager, and he receives word that this manager has somehow or another um, been dishonest or less than forthcoming in his dealings with the master's money. And so he calls him in. He says, this is what I've heard about you. Turn in your accounts. You're fired. You are fired. Now, some of us are thinking, well, wait a second. He didn't get to defend himself. There was no fair trial. What? You can't just do that. Certainly, we have a, a right to, to make our statements. But the, the guy doesn't, does he? he? He accepts that. He accepts it. I liken it, um, I, I think back to my days in high school and maybe college and, well, maybe seminary, where you got a paper to write, and you wait until the last minute to do it. And, and at, the, at some point, there's, just, there's no more excuses. you just gotta, you got to suck it up and take it and say, I'm just going to turn this thing in late, come what may. Um, and, and so it is with this manager. It feels like he's, you know, he's just like, okay, yeah, I messed up. And then it hits him. What am I going to do? I'm about to lose my job. I'm old and weak. I can't labor. I'm too proud to beg. What on earth am I going to do? And he gets this ingenious idea, and it says it right here in verse 4. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. He devises a plan. I'm going to do some things that will endear myself to others so that when I'm out of work, which is coming very soon, I'll have a place to go. And so he calls his master's debtors, and he says, how much do you owe? And somebody's like, well, 900 barrels of oil or something insane. And he says, quick, give me 450, and your account will be even. And he calls in somebody else, and how much, how much do you owe? And he, you know, he gives some um, ungodly amount of wheat. He said, 100 measures of wheat. And the dishonest manager says, quick, take your bill and write it for 80 so you get a 50% discount on oil, a, an 80, a 20% discount on wheat. That's pretty good, right? You're going to remember this guy. He treated you well. You might owe him a favor, right? Now, here is, you know, okay, so far so, far, so good. Like, well, that's an interesting way to do it. I bet that master is pretty ticked off. Um, first of all, you're dishonest from the beginning. And then secondly, you're undercutting his profits when you know you're going to be fired. That doesn't usually go well. But in this parable, it does. Verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. 
the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. He said, hey, that's pretty good. I wish you had shown that sort of ingenuity when you were working for me. But that's pretty good. You're looking ahead. You're looking out for yourself. And we're like, what's going on? And then Jesus says, you Christians, followers of me, you are to do likewise. Like, what? You want us to lie and cheat? No, not exactly. Eugene Peterson, he's written the message. Many of you have, have used it. It's a great sort of uh, translation, paraphrase. Uh, it's very helpful uh, for understanding biblical text from time to time. And he says this. Um, he, he puts these words on Jesus' mouth. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and Peterson says, um, and, and putting these on Jesus' mouth, I want you to be smart in the same way. So be smart in the same way as that dishonest manager, but... Do it for what is right. Do it for that which is good. And so here we have um, a parable of, of a, a dishonest manager um, misspending money from somebody who's very rich. And Jesus is saying, look at how they do this and figure out how that applies to your life as a follower of me. And then he kind of tells us what that means. And so I want us to gather two points from this parable. Two points from this parable. The first one has to do with making money and giving it away. Um, Jesus wants us to make money. You don't hear that a lot in church. That, 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 that I can sit here and tell you Jesus wants us to use our gifts, to use the things he's given us to make money. To be shrewd in this world. To be shrewd, um, and this is a good kind of shrewdness in our business dealings. But he's, he, you know, he's very clear in verse 9. Jesus says, I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth. Make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth. He says the world gets this. He calls them the children of the world. Um, they know how to make money, how to use the things that God has given them. And he says, you need to learn how to do that. The folks over here, the ones who don't follow me, the ones who, who in other places in the Bible say walk in darkness, they can actually see their way around. And us who follow Jesus, who have the power of the Holy Spirit no less, live over here in the light, we can see everything clearly, and yet we don't know how to navigate this world sometimes. Jesus is saying be shrewd with where I've placed you. Be shrewd with what I've given you. Be wise. And so that means if you're good at making money, Make money. Do it honestly. Do it ethically. But that's not in and of itself bad. Some people say, well, I'm really good at business, but that's not very holy or Christian, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go um, be a monk somewhere. And no. If God has given you the skills to be good at business, by all means, go be a holy and righteous businessman. If he's given you athletic skills, by all means, go and be a holy and righteous athlete. If he's given you um, academic skills, by all means, do what smart people do and write, write a book or something. <laughs> but be holy and righteous with the things that God has given you. Now, there is a difference, though. So, the dishonest manager was shrewd to serve himself for the future. Now, his future was, what, what, one day away, maybe a week away, maybe thinking of for the next year, how am I going to get by, right? 
How am I going to get by? That's my future. And Jesus says the same thing. He says, um, you know, be shrewd in this world for the sake of your future. But, but listen to this in verse, um, verse 9. So they're on your screen. You might read this one with me. Okay, so I tell you, make friends for yourselves. How? By means of unrighteous wealth. We've covered that. And let's move on. So that when it fails, okay, so make friends with your wealth because when it fails, and it's going to happen, and many of you all have experienced that, when your wealth fails, you may receive, that your friends may receive you into the eternal dwellings. You see that? Why are we making money? So that our friends may receive you into the eternal dwellings. What kind of friends are these? Eternal dwellings? Any of you have that to offer? Anybody? No. This is a different kind of friend, isn't it? It's the friend who can offer the eternal dwellings. That friend is Jesus, is it not? He wants us to take what God has given us. He wants us um, to use even the money, the talents, um, the possessions, the things that he has given us. He wants us to use them in service of his kingdom so that we might know that eternal dwelling, the eternal dwelling of Jesus Christ. And, and so we model ourselves like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Well, he gave a lot of stuff away, even his life. And so on one hand, Jesus is saying, make money. On the other hand, he's saying, give it away. Make money, give it away. So what does this mean? Well, you're standing in line at the grocery store. The woman in front of you has two shopping carts full of groceries and she checks out, and she has $50 less to pay than the cashier is ringing up. What happens? You have to sort through everything, and you're like, oh, come on. I just want to go home. I should have gotten in the self-serve line over there. Or you could pull out your debit card, your credit card. You could cover the difference. Right? God's giving you money. Give it away. You have a guest bedroom and there's a friend who's out on the street. What are you going to do? Give it away. Maybe it's somebody you don't even know. Maybe it's somebody who might, you're not sure, they might be a little unsafe. What are you going to do? How are you going to help them? How are we going to serve those in need? God has given us this great stuff. Not only has he given it to us, he said, it's good, it's right, it's holy. Go, go use it, enjoy it. But make friends that are going to give you eternal dwelling. Jesus was a pretty rich dude. He's God. He lived in heaven. Do you, know, do you know what they use for building materials in heaven? Gold, gemstones, rubies, emeralds. He came down from heaven to, to be born in a, a, a stable and laid in a, a feeding trough. He gave of his life generously so that we might have life in him, that we might have new life. And he's saying, you've seen this. You've seen what I've done for you. Go and do likewise. And so the first point we want to see from this parable is Jesus says, make money. Be shrewd about it. Navigate the ways of this world in, in a very wise way. But, but don't hang on to it too tightly. Give it away. Because one day it will fail. That's the first point. Make money, but give it away. Now, the second point um, is the reason Jesus tells us the first point. The second point is this. Our, our money, our stuff, our possessions, 
reveal the desires of our hearts. They reveal the desires of our hearts. Now, now some of you, maybe not all of you, but some of you, you're starting to little glaze over. And you're like, ah, he, they're always talking about money. It's not for my sake that I'm telling you about money, frankly. It's for your sake. It's for your sake, okay? This is, this is not for me. This is not about St. Paul's making more money. This is a spiritual condition. Jesus talks about money more than anything, more than anything. I, I read the text, and I'm like, how can I not talk about money? But he, it's right here. You can't ignore this. If you're going to get mad at me, get mad at Jesus. Why does he talk about money so much? It reveals the desires, the spiritual condition of our hearts. Anybody have a car? Raise your hand. You got a car? Anybody? Wow, not too many of you. I'm impressed. Um, <laughs> I don't really know much about cars, really anything about cars, but I know if my brakes are squeaking, I might need to get new brake pads, right? Um, if the windshield wiper fluid isn't squirting out, I knew windshield wiper fluid. If, if the wipers are streaking the windshield, I knew new wipers. That's my extent of car knowledge. But apparently, all those things, those are little things, right? You can kind of fix them when you get around to it. It might be hard to drive in the rain, but, but you can deal with that. But if that little temperature gauge starts to go up, you're supposed to stop. Did you know that? You're not supposed to drive home. I figured this out. <laughs> when your car starts to overheat, you're, the tow truck, he said, you're supposed to pull over. Stop. It might be a little thing. It might be a big thing, but it's a sign that something very serious is wrong with your car. Money and what we do with it can be a sign that something very serious might be wrong with our spiritual health. And so Jesus calls us to look at our bank accounts. And some of you are going to do this. Some of you want to stick your heads in the sand because this is too hard for you to do. But he calls us to look at that. What are we doing with our money? It's a sign of our spiritual health. It is a sign that there's a deeper more deep-seated problem. And so I, I, I don't know what it is, but it means that, that perhaps your lives aren't focused on the Lord or that you don't know that. And, and he's, he, this is so graceful. He's saying, take heed. Be warned. This is a warning sign. And so um, what does he say down to first thir- verse 13? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and your talents. You cannot serve God and yourself. Do you see that? You cannot serve God on one hand and yourself on the other. And so if um, this great red warning light, our bank accounts, is tilted to ourselves, there's a problem because it means we're not serving God. Right? That's why Jesus talks about money. Yes, he wants us to care for the poor. Yes, he wants us um, to care for, for his church. But, but, but underneath all that is he's concerned about our hearts. And so the Pharisees, they were lovers of money. They heard all these things and they ridiculed him. 
They ridiculed him. You're crazy. You want us to give it away? No way. That's mine. I earned it. I earned it in a very hard and difficult job. But Jesus says to them, God knows your hearts. God knows your hearts. The great thing, the best thing, in my opinion, about Jesus is that he always gives us another chance. We've, you have another chance. And so, so if you're convicted or if you go home, you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? It's, it's, you can repent of that. Now, some of you might have to repent for being too holy. You might have to repent for being too pious with your money and saying, well, I'm just going to stick it under a mattress and not use it because, because that's the holy and God, godly and righteous thing to do. And some of you, um, you probably need to repent for, for spending it all on yourself. But the fact of the matter is we all need to repent when we look at our bank accounts and Jesus gives us another chance because one day, okay, one day God's going to call for that final accounting. He's going to want to see the books. When I get there, I don't want to show them my books. But I will. And then I'll put on top of them Jesus' book. And I'll say, Lord, hold me accountable because of Jesus and what he's done for me. And then I hope one day I can point in my life and say, I finally realized that and I started to change. I started to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. But make no mistake. Make no mistake. Look at me. Okay, everybody look at me. Make no mistake. God is going to call for a final accounting one day. And some of you who've had your heads in the sands will be absolutely mortified by what you see in there. Let's pray. Lord, you've called us to take account. I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to do so, to do so honestly, to repent, to embrace your record of generosity, to claim that for ourselves, because you died for us that even the most egregious of our sins would be forgiven. Empower us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Transform us into the generous people you've called us to be. We ask this through your name. Amen.